Podcasters Unplugged is part of the Edify Podcast Network. In my darkness, set me free. And I hear the Spirit calling me. Hello, this is Pastor Shane Eidelman of Westside Christian Fellowship. Because pastoring can be difficult, challenging, and exhausting, Pastors Unplugged is specifically designed to encourage those in pastoral ministry. I hope you enjoy this episode of Pastors Unplugged. Okay, here we go with another episode of Pastors Unplugged. The topic is fairly controversial, but vitally important. Seven reasons why Christian leaders fall. Seven reasons why Christian leaders fall. You can actually find this um, at shaneidleman.com. Shaneidleman.com if you want these notes. Uh, pretty much everything will be there in that article. I'm going to read some from the article, and then I'm going to obviously elaborate on some of the points. So let me begin. Why do they fall? They fall for the same reason that all Christians fall. Each of us are drawn away by our own evil desires and enticed. When these desires are acted upon, they lead to sin. Look at James 1. Sin has a cycle. It's actually a life cycle. It either grows or withers, depending on whether you feed or starve it. John Owen, the prolific Puritan author, said, or actually wrote, be killing sin or sin be killing you. So here's what's going on. I mean, we can name a lot of, I mean, in the news um, over the years, you know, Ravi Zacharias, and then there was some issues with Mark Driscoll and, um, with and James McDonald on their type of leadership styles. I've I have some thoughts on that maybe in the future. And then everyone from Carl Lentz to um Calvary Chapel had um a very prominent pastor uh, I think 15 years ago, Bob Coy, he endorsed one of my books. So did um Vision Forum, and one of their main leaders, same thing and I mean we could we could stay here a while. Uh that that pastor in Dallas, I'm sorry not Dallas. I'm sure there's some in Dallas, but in um, Colorado, had a, a homosexual experience with the masseuse. Um, I don't remember his his name it, it escapes me. But there's there's a long list, and there's a, there's been a long list uh, since you know uh, pastoring began because the enemy goes after those in leadership. And this is why Billy Graham put in those wonderful principles he has as far as not spending uh, any time with the uh, the opposite sex and not being in compromising positions. Uh, financial responsibility. And there's a, there's a couple reasons, you know, and what I'm going to talk about mainly is moral failure, of course, but there's financial irresponsibility. You know, if if people are skimming off the top, taking some of the tithe, making bad business deals, you know, they'd have to be stepped down for that. What about this abusive type leadership that came out uh, in some of the people I mentioned? Um, Now there's two sides and I've heard I actually heard James McDonald, his side of it. And I heard Mark Driscoll talking about his side of it. And then you hear the other side of it, you know, in the middle there, there's, there's the truth on, on, uh, on the outside, you've got a lot of heresy hunters. There's a couple of people I'm not going to name who just love to write, uh, stuff about these pastors every single day. It seemed like it's like just attack, attack, attack. Uh, and then, you know, we know that type a strong personalities are going to have to struggle, are going to struggle with, with how to be gentle, humble, broken leaders when they're aggressive and bold and type A on purpose. That's how they were created. So it takes a lot of brokenness, a lot of humility, a lot of, of just work in that area, a lot of time with God, 
uh, not not thinking we know know everything, to be teachable, to be open, to to use our choose our words carefully. Um, so I'm not going to comment too much on that. I believe uh, that there were some. I, I read Trips. I think it's Paul Tripp or David Tripp. His 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 uh, his assessment of Mars Hill, and um, you know, but both those guys are back in ministry. And then you have someone like Perry Noble who had to step down for other issues. And um, you know, it, it, there's a, basically. Not that you don't struggle with certain things sometimes, you know, but th- there's a there's a there's a falling away. Um, no longer can you shepherd uh, because of moral failure. No longer can you shepherd because of uh, certain other things. And it, the question does come up often: Can a pastor ever be reinstated after moral failure? And maybe I'll I'm, I'm considering doing another podcast on that because it's it, there's a lot there. But let me just tell you up front that you know all situations are different. And so I I think it'd be hard to say, yes, they can, or no, they can't never, ever again. It, it, I mean, what if a person was in their 24, 25, fresh out of seminary, you know, had an affair, lost everything. And 15 years later, God's humbled him through the whole process. Could he ever be an elder, elder type quality pastor again? You know, that, that, that church would have to um, wrestle with that, the church where he would be at. So, um, what about their past? What about somebody who's been a, a felon and in jail for, for years? Could they ever pastor? And so what disqualifies a person? Can they ever be reinstated? I might I might tackle that one at a different time. But this one is focused on seven things. So the first thing that nine times out of 10, what happens? It, you see, a moral failure doesn't happen uh, the next day after a powerful night and day of spending time with God. You know, you're up early, you're fasting, you're praying, you're seeking the heart of God. You have powerful worship services. You're hungry for more of God. You go to bed reading Ian Bounds on prayer. Lord, give me this prayer life. And then you wake up Monday and cheat on your spouse. That doesn't happen. It's a slow progression over time. Compromises here and there, often with pornography, often with texting or communicating with those you shouldn't be building a relationship with. And slowly over time, that wall, that, that wall, that boundary wall is, is deteriorating one brick at a time. And so that's why, uh, we encourage people not to build relationships with the opposite sex, uh, not to counsel them, not to always be there for them, not to, we have women in the church for that. Now I've been called, um, standoffish. I've been called, prideful. I've been called unapproachable because of that, but I, it just, you know, you've got to guard that area of the ministry. But number one, trying to get to that point, they say it will never happen to me. It will never happen to me. First Corinthians 10, 12 says the opposite. Just when we think we're standing firm, we need to be careful that we don't fall. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Proverbs 16, 18. Pride says, I'll never commit adultery. Oh, that'll never happen to me. But humility says, by the grace of God, I haven't, but I can. Lord, please help me. Please let me stay in the spot of brokenness and humility and transparency and accountability. It's very healthy to go to someone and say, um, hey, you know, I'm, I'm struggling. Maybe an associate pastor, you know, someone you can trust and say, um, there's this, I mean, you fill in the blank. There's this female at work or female at, at church or that I'm counseling or that's texting me or our neighbor or whatever it is. And there's an unhealthy attraction starting and I need to bring it to the light. 
I need to expose it. And sin grows in darkness. So when you expose it, it really loses its power. And obviously, you know, it's wise to go to your spouse and say, um, hey, there's, there's, you know, this, this person I've been counseling uh, once in the prayer room where, where I'm giving fictitious examples here, or um, I ran to them at Costco or whatever, and then they contacted the church and now they want to meet with me again. And, you know, there's an attraction there. I'm, I'm attracted to this person. So, um, you know, I mean, depending on the wording or the language or, or obviously you don't have to say that you could just, you know, this isn't healthy. I don't need to meet with them. Uh, my point is majority of the time, nine times after out of 10, they say it will never happen to me. And because of pride, there's no accountability because of pride. There's no time with God because of pride. They, they aren't open and transparent and humble and broken and, and boom, the enemy comes in. So strength is found in admitting our weakness for when I am weak, Paul said, then I'm strong in second Corinthians and pride opens the door to compromise and unwise decisions. It ignores conviction. Now, sadly, many, many people confuse God's patience with his approval. Many pastors say, I haven't got caught yet. Or, oh, I shouldn't have did that. I repent. Okay, I'm not going to do it again. And then six months later, and you do it again, and a year a year later, a month later, and you've got a wandering eye, and you're a flirt, and you know, you're confusing God's patience with his approval. C.H. Spurgeon said, we are never, never so much in danger of being proud as when we think we are humble. So that's number one. Uh, it'll never happen to me. Well, be careful because it could. And don't let that pride um, bring you down because what we're seeing, what you're seeing is a lot of the mega church pastors. One of the downfalls, I mean, God blesses all size churches. So I'm I'm a fan of, of small churches, big churches, mega churches, whatever God wants to do. But once you get to that, you know, celebrity status and you're a celebrity now, whether it's on the radio and television and wherever, and you know, you're you're just on Oprah. Um, I mean, true Bible believing preachers will probably never be um, allowed on Oprah. Let me just tell you that right now, or any of those talk shows. Um, it's they usually look for those who are kind of fluff and in the middle and just motivational speakers, not not true preachers. But anyway, my point was, you know, their their incomes well, their notoriety. Man, I am God's man. Be careful. Even the cults can build big churches. Even a charismatic person can rise to the top. Uh, so no, it, it has nothing to do with the size of your church. It has everything to do with the size of your heart and your relationship to God. And then the second thing that happens is is um, they say, I'm too busy. I'm too busy. We're all susceptible to putting God second and ministry first. If we're too busy to cultivate a prayer life that places God first, we are too busy. Let me say that again. If you can't put God first, you're too busy. Many, many people who have fallen in this area have got too busy. Uh, I'm too busy. The ministry's growing. Look at all these people. Look at all the numbers. Look at our budget. I am so busy. I'm so successful that I have no time for God anymore. Well, you're going down at some point probably because that is not a healthy spot to be. Men would live better if they pray better. We're often too busy because we're doing too much. Ian e. Bounds said, when faith ceases to pray, it ceases to live. And it's hard to fall when you're always on your knees. Moral failing cannot gain a stronghold in a broken praying heart that spends time in God's word and obedience to it. After this, take time and read James, the whole chapter, James 1. And nine times out of 10, when a leader falls, 
uh, they had no meaningful prayer life or devotional life. They were too busy. And so that leads me to number three, holiness is compromised. Holiness is compromised. What I mean by that is there's a holy standard. Paul would say, come out from among them, be holy, be set apart. I'm not going to watch certain movies. I'm not going to watch certain things on my TV. I'm not going to watch certain social media outlets. And I just uploaded TikTok recently and a friend of mine wanted me to yeah, he said I should start posting videos. But every time I go to post a video, I mean, the homepage of that thing is just like, it's 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 filth. And so I just had to de- delete the app. Uh, and there has to be a vigilance there. There has to be a, I can't compromise in these areas. So before you fall morally, compromise has occurred. Holiness is no longer your standard. Now compromise is your standard. And it reminds me of that story of that young boy who kept falling out of his bed, falling out of his bed, hitting the floor, hitting the floor. And his mom finally came in and said, son... You keep falling out because you don't get far enough in. You go to sleep right on the edge of the bed. And that's why many people, many pastors, many leaders, they, they walk that fine edge. I mean, they're just one decision away from a moral failure. They're flirtatious. They've got the cell phone number of people they shouldn't. They're talking to people they shouldn't. They're conjuring up in their mind how they could you know, justify this and justify that. And holiness is compromised. I mean, if you're set, if you're on fire for God, you're spending a couple of hours with him. You're, you're worshiping him. You're and you're living a holy life that's set apart for him. It, it's going to be really hard to knock you, um, off that, that, uh, that foundation of Christ. And I like what Isaac Watts said, true Christianity, true Christianity, where, it re- where it reigns in the heart will make itself appear in the purity of life. Praise God for that. And of all the attributes of God, basically, if, if we're being honest here, described in the Bible, holiness is seen more often. Holiness is a vital weapon. It's really our only defense, or not our only defense, but an important defense against the attack of the enemy. I mean, look at Ephesians 6.14, putting on that, that whole armor of God. And holiness, again, comes from a broken and humble heart, not a legalistic heart. What I mean by that, well, some well-known pastors who are very, very conservative, you know, women don't wear pants, got to get that dress down to your ankles, no makeup, no movies, no dancing, no nothing, just, just rigid and legalistic. Now, some of those things, you know, where they, where those things come from, it's not, it's not from a bad spot. You need to be modest and you need to not dress yourself up and be alluring, uh, too alluring to p- other men. And, and so there's, there's wisdom in that, but if it doesn't come from the right heart, it's legalistic and it's rigid and, um, people fall in that camp as well, because that, w- that won't keep you broken and teachable and pliable and humble and used of God. That will, I mean, it's, it's often legalistic people fall into sin just as much as a compromiser. And uh, it's sad to see because it's pride in that area. One one takes pr- pride in their liberty. The other takes pride in their legalism. And either way, it'll take you down. So sadly, Hollywood, not the Holy Spirit, is influencing many Christian leaders today. And we cannot fill our mind with darkness all week and expect the light of Christ to shine in our lives. Which leads to number four. Many people who fall sexually, I mean, I would say most, unless you go back to the I mean, I remember when I was growing up with the Jim Baker scandal, and um, I don't remember the lady he was accused of of sleeping with, but he had financial irresponsibility and has supposedly repented since then. Um, And then uh, Jimmy Swaggart, you know, prostitute in Palm Springs. Um, I've actually been in that area with my wife before on our anniversary. And, um, you know, you're, you're out looking for it 
uh, we weren't, of course, <laughs> but, you know, I go to bed pretty early. But you can tell, you know, after dark, some of those streets, Hollywood, North Hollywood, um, even in Dallas, Texas, when I visited there in Palm Springs, where he fell. And I mean, just those large cities, those large, well, Palm Springs isn't really a large city, but you know what I mean. But there's a... Um, you know, if you're if you're out in the darkness and out after hours, and you're you're going to find something that you shouldn't find, so you know that is is evident as well. That's wisdom, of course. Um, but my point was, many build unhealthy relationships with the opposite sex. Oh yeah, that was my point. That most people who fall don't pick up a prostitute or things like that, even though they do if that's their pattern, if they've gotten away with it before. But uh, there's usually, uh, I think it was Carl Lentz who, and all this is just public notice. I don't want to, I, I don't want to bring up names and pull people through the mud. I'm not, I'm not here at all to be judgmental. And I, I pray for these individuals. My heart goes out to them, but you know, it's, it's public knowledge that he told, a another female, uh, that he, I mean, he didn't tell, say he was a pastor or nothing. He just kind of just had this whole separate life. I mean, I, I thought like, well, how, isn't that going to find you out pretty soon? I mean, so and from Bill Hybels to, uh, you know, all the names and different things and even Ravi Zacharias and with the mas- massage place he owned, um, you know, it, it, if you're building unhealthy relationships with the opposite sex, you're going to give the enemy a very, very wide open door to plant seeds in your mind and to wait for opportune times. Like maybe sometimes when you're angry, you're lonely you're hurt, you're kind of in, in lazy mode, uh, you know, after a high in ministry, sometimes there's a low, you gotta be, you gotta be in high alert in those areas. And you have to have tremendous steps of accountability in place because the devil doesn't show, uh, show those involved in counseling appointments and inner office meetings and private fellowship, the pain and anguish and the years of regret that moral failure brings. He deceives us with a false sense of freedom in ministry that we are simply helping the other person. And what happens, people say, how could that happen? Well, see, the enemy doesn't push us off the building. He takes us one step at a time. So these people start to compromise in all the areas I've just listed, one step at a time, one wrong choice at a time. Now they're kind of out of God's will. They're, they're, they're not spending time with God. They don't have the Holy Spirit convicting them like they used to or drawing them closer to Christ or filling them with love and joy and peace and the power of the Spirit. That's being compromised. The Spirit's being quenched. It's being grieved. And now they're open for opportune times. Here comes the enemy planting a seed. You know, this is who you really should have married. This person loves the Lord. She loves ministry. This is who, this is who you should be with. You know, the enemy, the enemy set up that other marriage that you have, you know, that he starts planning those thoughts in your mind and, and you start to compromise. And well, I mean, it it won't hurt to meet with this person. And then you meet with them. Well, it won't won't hurt to meet again, or it won't hurt to answer their text and won't hurt. Next thing you know, you're having maybe lunch somewhere or you're compromising. Uh, May she comes to the office and nobody's at the office. I mean, it's just, these are no brainers. And if you're married and attracted to another person, or if the potential is there, take steps now and remove yourself from the environment. Bottom line, don't fight sexual desires. Don't entertain them. Flee, flee, flee. First Corinthians 6, 18. You have to flee from those desires. Number five, we fail to strengthen weak areas. We fail to strengthen weak areas. This is where the enemy takes us down. What is a, could be a potential weak area in one pastor's life, 
uh, is not a weak area in another pastor's life. I mean, I've known uh, elders, you know, pastor quality uh, that I've uh, that have have confided in me, and I've kind of been their their accountability partner. You know, I can think of of one that never never struggled. I mean, pornography hadn't looked at it years, but his struggle was something completely different. Uh, unhappy in his marriage, very critical, very negative. Um, other maybe anger, maybe other addictions, maybe things, and so. But then you talk to someone else. They're accountable, man. This pornography is just, boy, oh boy, that's my crack in the armor. I've got to put up safeguards. I've got to have accountability software on my computer, which I think all pastors should have, all leaders should have, all men should have, all homes should have, I guess. And so, but he's he's not dealing with the other stuff that the other guy is. Or um, you had someone, uh, Perry Noble, who came out, I don't remember exactly, maybe maybe separation with his marriage or something, but, uh, you know, continual alcohol use. And that's a whole nother topic because alcohol use in, in the pastorate is pretty, pretty prevalent, uh, depending on the denomination, depending on different things. And it's difficult because can a pastor have a drink now and then I biblically speaking. Um, but if you want more information, if you go to YouTube, I just did a message on this, um, you'd have to put an alcohol Shane Eidelman in YouTube or something. I don't remember it, uh, exactly the title of it. Oh, it had to do with addiction. I think, oh, addiction is a slippery slope, the slippery slope of addiction. There we go. I found it. And, um, you know, the, the wine, con- the alcohol content of the wine in Jesus's day to say it's the same today. I'm not buying into that. You know, and I know a lot of people, I remember I was at a pastor's conference, um, long, well, it was actually, uh, Acts 29, in 2000, um, boy, oh boy, I don't want to miss right around 2012, maybe, or 13. And then afterwards they encouraged, okay, all of us who can make it, we're going to go to such and such brewery. And so I'm thinking, I mean, that's, that was kind of big in the reformed faith. You know, they made their own beer, I guess, cause Martin Luther did. I don't know. just, to me, it's not wise at all. And I'm, I was wondering, well, how many people would, would are going to go to that and have too much? You know, it's just, I think you're just opening that door uh, work because of my past, you know, that would, that would be an area where I wouldn't want to open that door again, but I can, um, I'm not going to struggle in other areas. You know, you can put, you know, marijuana and drugs and sleeping pills and Vicodin and Xanax and whatever you want on my counter. It's probably going to stay there for the rest of my life, you know, because that's not an area of, of weakness for me. Uh, however, the, those areas that are your weakness, you've got to shore those up. You've got to be extra vigilant and understand, okay, here's where the enemy's coming in. Now we do know the enemy comes in lust of the eye, the lust of the, the, the lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh and the pride of life, those three areas, but you can safeguard, you can shore up these areas and do not compromise in the area. Cause that's normally where he's going to take you down. And I do know a lot of, uh, not a lot. I'd say the pastors that I know who have moral failings, um, Already, already were kind of flirtatious and a ladies' man um, when they were younger, and so I think that wasn't you know for me I wasn't um, that wasn't my cup of tea. So, like I said, that that struggle is not going to be the same for me. But these guys have a pattern often flirtatious. They did it in their teenage years, twenty years, promiscuous, thirty, and then they become a pastor and. And they're attracted to women there at the church and the, it, that pro- promiscuity 
uh, is going to be that area he's going to keep coming at you at. Whether or for the other pastor who, you know, a lot a lot of pastors too are taking um, sleeping pills and using pain meds to just, or you know, in these dire times, it's hard. It's you need you, they want something to relax. The best way to relax is grab some chamomile tea and open up the Word of God and pray and put on worship and um, just get some alone time. So anyway, we, you have to you have to strengthen those weak areas because that's where he comes in. That's where the attack's going to be. This is not rocket science. Uh, number six, accountability is often breached or minimized. Now, accountability in and of itself won't do much. What I mean by that is you can have, okay, okay, hold me accountable, you say. Well, a couple problems here. Number one, it's not that person's job to hold you accountable. That's not going to happen. Now, I know what we're saying. Hey, can you call me? Can you pray for me? Can I go to you? You know, that's good. That's healthy. But if you're counting on that person holding you accountable, that's not going to work. If the heart's not right, it's also not going to work because there's ways around that accountability. I knew people who would, you know, they'd ask me to hold them accountable or different things. And then they, every, you know, once or twice a week, oh man, I blew it. Sorry, back on track next week. Oh man, I blew it. Sorry, back on track tomorrow. Oh man. And it's just, you know, it's just, what what can you do to them? You can't, or for them, you can't really do much. It's between them, the Lord and the Holy Spirit and, and their own heart. But you can have accountability, and I think you need it. Accountability is a safeguard, but it's not bulletproof. By itself, it really doesn't work because it's not really realistic to ask someone to hold you accountable. But to me, accountability simply adds another level of security in the battle against sin. It's healthy to say to those we trust, hey, I'm struggling in this area. Can you pray with me? Can you ask the hard questions from time to time? And when we open up, when we're transparent, then others can can help and hold us accountable. And and especially if you need to go to, um, you know, someone on your elder board or a trusted friend. I know you got to be careful there because, you know, not all elder boards are pastor friendly. And if they tell their spouse and their spouse is, is a gossip and, you know, it, you know, so you, you have to use wisdom, but you do want to be transparent, open, especially with your spouse. The enemy loves to work in darkness and deceit by hiding things under the rug not only are we keeping it in darkness, we're also being deceptive. So expose your sin, expose your struggle. Uh, for example, if, if somebody, you know, pastor said, hey, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm starting to struggle with this again. It's been a couple of years and I don't know what's going on. Can you pray for me? So you bring it to the light. And that's very, very important. Um, so, I, you know, I, I mentioned before, it's good to have accountability software that sends all the websites you visit to your spouse. Uh, we have that at our home. I can't remember the name. We use Covenant Eyes and then and something else to where, you know, anything questionable, number one, it'll block it. And then I'll, it'll also send a report. And it really makes you think twice before even looking at, you know, seemingly innocent things. Uh, and to some people that might sound extreme, but we are living in extreme times. We need to be armed for the enemy who is here to kill, steal, and destroy. And the greater our influence in the body of Christ, the greater the need for accountability spiritually, financially, and relationally. So on this area of finances, you know, smaller churches, sometimes the pastor, uh, this is what happens when we started our church is, is there's nobody there. We had a small board, me and, and, uh, another pastor and another elder. And, um, you know, I wrote the checks and paid the bills because the other two guys worked and I worked too, actually. Um, but we had that transparency with, they had access to the checking account. Uh, they had access to everything. We just, it was, it was, it was, it was uh, very transparent and accountable, but you have to make sure on your spending, what you're spending on, um, 
you know, office expense versus a personal expense. And you just want to, to be above reproach in that area. I know it's hard and difficult and sometimes uh, challenging, but it can be done if, if there's accountability and you let people know. I've, I've told the elders before, you know, at our church, if somebody gave me a thousand dollars for just, Hey, I just want to bless you that I'll let them know. Or if I, um, even if I use the big trash can, sometimes I'll let the office know, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to, our trash is full. I'm going to throw some trash in the trash can, or I'm going to Staples to buy some ink cartridges. My printer at home is out, but I use it 99.9% of the time for the church uh, to print out sermons and different things. So, you know, just that accountability, not trying to hide things. Um, And then even with like pay, I mean, this could be another podcast topic, but uh, you know, letting the elder board set that, that, you know, I can't even vote on my, on my pay um, or compensation or anything. That's all left up to the elders, but it's it's good for accountability purposes. Uh, Number seven, loneliness becomes an excuse. How many times have I heard, but Shane ministry is so hard. I just can't take it anymore. I'm so lonely. It's challenging. The enemy's after me. Uh, People are mean to me and it's all legitimate. Those are all legitimate feelings. But this sense of entitlement um, is often the beginning of justifying wrong choices. We can easily become jealous and judgmental of those who seem to have all the fun. And that's not the case. Remember, Oswald Chambers says that God buries his men in the midst of paltry things. No monuments are erected to them. They are ignored. Not because they are unworthy, but because they are in a place where they cannot be seen. So the cure for loneliness and becoming, uh, having a victim mentality and always complaining is thankfulness. Lord, thank you for calling me to this. This is very difficult, but thank God I'm not in a different country. Thank God I'm in this country with these people, with what you've given us. Thank you for the air conditioning and the heating and the, and this wonderful sanctuary and my home. And Lord, thank you so much. I'm just an unprofitable servant. I want to do what you want me to do. And you get your, you get your heart in the right area. And another good book, um, I don't remember, I think it was R. Kent Hughes, something about, uh, and I mentioned in another podcast, I should, I should look these all up before I recommend them, but they just come to my mind. It's, it's avoiding the success syndrome in ministry, something like that, overcoming the success syndrome in ministry. And that happens often where, you know, I measured success. I was in a corporate executive. I worked my way up, um, uh, a sales counselor, 24 hour fitness, then a, a co-manager, and then a manager of the entire fitness center. And then I became a managing partner where I received, you know, bonuses and salary and payroll and different things. And then I became a district manager and that's, you rate success by numbers and growth and success. But in the ministry, you don't do it that way. That's not, it's not about, it's not about numbers. It's about faithfulness. It's not about finances. It's about faithfulness. It's not about the church growth model. It's about faithfulness. Let God grow the church and be thankful for what he's doing. Even if you've got 50 people or 500 or 5,000, um, I'm, 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 there's so many things. I love the small church, the medium church, the big church, mega church, uh, you know, in all areas of ministry. When we start out small, there's many blessings, but when we got larger and larger and larger, there's many, there's many blessings as well. Uh, it's just being content in all things. That's really, really the key. So those are the seven real quick to kind of just, uh, obviously you can add some more to it, but they all, all fall under there. But I do want to say this in closing, if you are on the cliff or if you've already fallen, take time now and repent, it will hurt. But the fruit of repentance far outweighs the fruit of exposure that will surely come. Look at numbers 32, uh, verse 23, God's grace will see you through a 
a repentant heart turns from sin. They accept full responsibility for their actions without blame, resentment, or bitterness. For example, man, if you're on the fence and something's crept back into your life and you know it, this is really convicting you, go to someone, maybe your spouse, expose it, repent, maybe take a couple weeks off. I don't know, and and just seek the Lord and just be cleansed and healed of this. Now, if you're in a wrong relationship, let me tell you, it's much better to end it, do the right thing, and get God on your side, and go to the elder board or whoever. Some church government structure is a little bit different depending on what church you're with, and you say, "Hey, I'm involved in this, and I just need to come clean." And that compared to you being found out, not only are you going to earn more respect, but the grace of God will be upon you because repentance took place. Yeah, there's going to be consequences. Don't get me wrong, but there's, there's consequences either way. But with that type of attitude, God could allow us a severance pay maybe and to to help you financially for a season until you find something else, uh, until you come to the ch- stay at the church maybe and get some wholeness and some recovery and 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 be built back up and strengthened and let your your marriage uh it's going to it could can end in separation but let let it let it let God have the soil to work where if we're exposed and our pride is preventing exposure see that's why a lot of these pastors um people have fallen from ministry you know I mentioned you know Perry Noble I mentioned uh, there's a guy in the hyper charismatic movement Todd Todd Bentley um you know, even with Mark Driscoll or others, people said they shouldn't have went and started a church. I don't put Mark really in that same category. That's a whole nother topic. But some of these people just like, oh, I don't care. Then I'm going to go start my own thing. And it's not going to work. It's not successful. Um, you just need to, to own it, repent, and let God rebuild your life. And so let's say, for example, man, but I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to lose being a pastor if I come clean about this relationship. Yes, True but you'll be able to restore your family. You'll be able to restore your faith and God will call you to something else and you'll be able to get past it. You'll be able to to build and nurture your marriage and your family and your relationship with your kids and, and it'll be a new season. It really will, but it's best to bring it out and and you expose it. You expose it rather than letting it expose you. That's really the key. So hope that helps on this episode of Pastors Unplugged. I'm hoping to hit another topic Uh, that's very relevant here shortly. Talk to you soon. Thank you. If you need additional support, you can visit my website, shaneidleman.com, where I will also write about many of the topics that we will be discussing. Sermons and free downloads of my books are also available at westsidechristianfellowship.org. That's westsidechristianfellowship.org. This podcast is part of the Edify Podcast Network. Edify is a faith-inspiring app that brings together thousands of the best Christian podcasts in one place for your listening enjoyment. Cut through the noise and grow your faith by diving into the world's top Christian podcasts today. Download the Edify app for free from the App Store or Google Play or by going to edify.app. That's E-D-I-F-I dot app. 
El Paseo Publications proudly supports the Westside Christian Fellowship Radio Network. We are committed to quality and Christian publication. Free ebooks can be found at westsidechristianfellowship.org under free ebooks. Books such as What Works for Men and What Works for Young Adults will help readers understand that the obstacles ahead are never greater than God's power to take you through. Books such as What Works When Diets Don't and Feasting and Fasting demonstrate how health can be achieved from a biblical perspective. Other free books such as Answers for a Confused Church and Desperate for More of God show the importance of fully surrendering our lives to Christ. And One Nation Above God is a must-read for anyone concerned about the direction of America. Again, free downloads of these ebooks are available at westsidechristianfellowship.org. We are happy about partnering with the Westside Christian Fellowship Radio Network.